0: Hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from shaw.net. Episode 73, Part 2, A Proper Plan for Technology. if you've uh, landed on this podcast you're on part two of episode 73 which is about technology and education and proper plan and um, if um, you are interested in listening to part one uh, just to let you know it is all about the early history of technology and education um, and some reasons about uh, you know some fads about a bit of nostalgia kind of going through a virtual museum of technology and education but it doesn't really go into any planning so it it, it isn't important that you listen to it but it might set a bit of a context. In part two I'm going to be carrying on with a little bit of context uh, maybe start looking at plans uh, about technology and education and and how you might spend uh, your ICT grant Uh, so let's get into it. Hello hello you are very welcome this is episode 73 part two of uh, if I were the minister for education from unshaw.net it's Simon Lewis speaking and uh, I'm going on to part two of this fairly long um, winded uh, uh, kind of journey, a train journey, virtual train journey around technology and education where you can hop on and hop off at different stops along the way as I uh, talk uh, and ramble about the history of education and about uh, certainly technology and education and uh, I finally get to talk to you about ways that you can plan for spending ICT money because um, I suppose every school in the country is in a different place and there's lots of reasons for that and I talk about those reasons in part one and as I go into part two I continue that uh, just to talk about some of the innovations and histories of uh, in technology and education and um, see how you get on. Um, I was talking about uh, the NCTE at the time, which is now the PTST Technology in Education, um, and uh, how they made their very uh, first uh, successful decision back in the uh, 90s not to make technology a subject, um, and in fact, as a resource. And I argued that it was probably better to be a methodology. Uh, As I said, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to uh, move on uh, to the NCTE um, and where they didn't make a success of things. In fact, I want to talk about their errors of judgment uh, in this episode and, and the impact of those errors, really, in a way, um, because I'm not saying they were done in, in badness and they weren't even foolish. They just happened to be um, accidents uh, at the time, uh, which I suppose if they look back on, they would probably uh, do something different. And the first error of judgment really was in the late 1990s uh, when they rolled out ICT for the very first time in the IT2000 uh, scheme um, when computers were first delivered into schools. And the first error of judgment was their training of teachers in how to use computers uh, for typing in word and also for making powerpoint presentations but not in how to use computers for helping children to learn this was a massive error of judgment i think they felt it was a good idea to train teachers in how to use these new fandangle devices because you know again many of you might not believe this but at that time um, we had a th- you hear about the digital divide these days with it's basically people who have technology and people who don't have technology and it's more of a poverty issue uh, these days But back in the 90s, it was really um, a generational thing um, that there were people under a certain age, so people under 40, maybe, under 35, 40, who had grown up in an era of using computers. I grew up in an era of Commodore 64s and Ataris and uh, Spectrum. And, you know, even as a teenager, I had a PC. And by my late, uh, I suppose, my mid to late teens, uh, the internet had had actually come along. Um, and, And I was of a generation that used computers. But there was a generation that didn't use computers at all, um, at all at all and these were uh, a a very large, um, I suppose, number of teachers um, at the time um, I would say, I think it was at least half of the teaching population were over 40 um, at the time and didn't use computers um, in their lives I mean, never um, never mind in school I mean, this was predated you know Ryanair uh, coming along because I would say Ryanair had a had a huge um I suppose impact in an older generation starting to use computers because there was a reason uh, for them to use computers. I know it's crazy to think this, but I mean, to say this, but I mean, I would I would actually give Ryanair um, the, uh, uh, you know, sort of a, 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 the, the uh, kudos for getting an older generation to start using computers because there was a reason for it. When you needed to book a holiday in the uh, in the um, early noughties, you know, uh, you would have to go to a travel agent and the travel agent would do it. But then Ryanair came along with these really cheap flights that you could fly to England for a tenner and this was massive. And if you wanted to do that, you needed to use the internet at the time. And this is uh, why a huge group of people started using the internet. I know that sounds mad, um, but this this is just the reality of, um, of, of where things were. And um, what you had, I suppose, I- I around uh, the late 1990s, was, uh, and the NCT made their decision, you had to train teachers in actually how to turn these computers on and off. And I remember, When I started off my career, that I was um, teaching people like really, really basic stuff, like turning on a computer, how to hold a mouse. I remember teaching a group in two thousand and three. Um, it was a group of older. Uh, they were actually all nuns, weirdly enough. I was teaching in a common school. I was teaching them how to use computers, and I remember showing them how to turn on the computers, so they were all able to press a button. I mean, no, no, no doubt there. But then it was about moving the mouse around the screen, moving the cursor around the screen, and there were actually some of them were holding the mouse in the air, trying to move uh, the uh, the cursor around the screen. I, I kid you not. Like, I mean, it. I mean, we like, we can laugh at that now, but that was the um, reality really of the time. And I mean, I, I understand that we have to, you know, teach teachers the basic skills uh you know a lot of them hadn't used computers at all such was the digital divide but i think there was um i suppose we forgot that there were the other half of the digital digital divide that did know how to use computers and we're using them since they were children uh, but there were no courses for them and in a way I suppose there were no courses at all for anyone um, I mean there were level 1 courses and level 2 courses I, I, I you know, in, in, in from the NCTE at the time but there were no courses really about using computers to teach children um, or even for children to be creating their own content I'm not saying there was none whatsoever but very few it was all focused on teacher skills and generally skills that weren't really linked to teaching uh, I mean for example I actually got my very first job training teachers in 2003 um, and um, the first course I gave was showing teachers actually how to, it was basic maintenance, how to fix computers. You know, this was, a, this was you know, what, uh, you know the, the job of a technician rather than a teacher. And so, I mean, you know, basically all of the courses, well, almost all of the courses had nothing to do with pedagogy and it was all about figuring out how to use these new fandangled machines, let's say. The... This, The second big mistake, I suppose, that the NCTE made was not actually having a good plan from the very, very start. And it's probably not fair, really, to say that. But, you know, and I kind of battled with that sentence when I was writing it in a way because there was really some brilliant thinking that did happen near the very, very start. And probably the best of that was the SIP project. I mean, that may mean nothing to you. The Schools Integration Project, SIP which uh, showcased some hugely innovative practices in schools at the time. Uh, I mean, things, I mean, I know a lot of these things don't sound like innovative things now with 20, you know, over 20 years later, but things like web quests, um, you know, were, were very innovative at the time. I mean, in fact, these days, you know, you have virtual escape rooms or basically web quests, uh, just with a cooler name. But then, my personal favorite thing, which was an amazing for its time, uh, was this centralized network of computers that was run as a thin client network. Huh? You might be saying, "What? <laughs> what? What's that?" But basically, well, I mean, the best way I can describe what this thin client network idea was it was to me it, I mean the, the way to describe it to me in, in 2022 language it was basically like a managed Chromebook setup or uh, Chromebook setup basically a load of schools on the kind of uh, Dublin Bay area uh, in different schools linked up together on machines that had nothing on them really except and, but when you turned them on they all hooked up to this giant server this uh, server which basically gave them everything they needed and whatever changes were made on the server would automatically show up on these dumb terminals as they were called then or these computers with nothing on them so for example if i wanted every computer in the network to be able to play i don't know a game based on jolly phonics i just had to put that game on the server and then every uh, as soon as i turned on the computer it would be on that computer so i mean that was the idea behind it you logged in and you had all your documents they were saved on the one server the the nice thing about it was is you didn't have to use the same computer every time you could log into any a dumb terminal and get into the network it was basically how chromebooks are, are working in schools today and um i thought that was pretty amazing and not bad at all for 1998 when that kind of thing was very 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 difficult to do however the problem was the ncte and the government failed to capitalize on these excellent projects and they plodded along kept going with this training these training courses that I mean in fairness they were very well attended I mean people wanted to learn about these computers I mean you know I mean if you look at training courses nowadays in ICT you're lucky to fill a course with 5 or 10 people really you, and half the time they don't run but every single technology course I gave was full absolutely full you could have 30 to 40 children or 30 to 40 teachers um, on any course on about anything I, mean, I remember giving one and I'd written this course um, about using a program called Opus Illuminatus I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Opus Illuminatus this is kind of visual a visual pre uh, programming language very very similar not unlike scratch in a way a bit more complex but not unlike scratch and i did this i gave this course in 2004 to about 30 uh, 30 to 40 students or teachers in limerick and, uh, and uh, very interesting you know kind of to see how many people were enthused about teaching lots of different things the trouble with it was that there was no direction in terms of this training or planning and while 30 to 40 people would go on ict courses And while that just, uh, you know, the trouble was, in the general context of things, it was a very small number in the greater scheme of things. You had the same enthusiastic people all the time. But the other, you know, you could go on and say, oh, training was, it was all about training. But the thing was, there was an even bigger problem than that. And that bigger problem was money. By far the worst of all the mistakes that was made by the government, Uh, in the late 1990s and early noughties was not providing schools with the money they needed to buy the equipment that they needed. I mean, even that alone, we received absolutely no funding whatsoever for technology from 1997 well into the 2010s. Now, some of you might remember uh, a gentleman by the name of Robbie O'Leary, a teacher, former teacher, retired teacher, now a retired principal. And he was I, I call him one of the forefathers of educational technology in Ireland. I don't know if he'd like me to call him that, but that's what I'm calling him. He's a forefather of educational technology in Ireland. And I was very lucky. Uh, I, I like to think I'm kind of a lucky person, but I was definitely very lucky. Of all the three and a half thousand schools in Ireland that I managed to get my very first job in, um, it was his school. Well, he was working it as a deputy principal. And we worked together immediately. I think he was delighted to find someone who was a computer programmer because he had lots and lots of ideas. And I was very happy to uh, use my uh, computer science degree finally uh, to actually do something with it. And we worked on some really interesting technology projects, Um, one of the first being the only and first ever piece of cross-curricular educational software for Ireland. Anyway, that aside, Robbie uh, made one of the most valid points about the way ICT was being rolled out in the early part of the 21st century. And to be honest, it's one of my very favourite quotes of all time about education generally in Ireland because it could be mapped into almost every area and pretty much sums up every government's attitude to education when it came to Ireland. Every every education government, or anyway, their attitude, whatever, what am I trying to say here? I suppose every government I mean by every Irish government's attitude to education. He basically said, and uh, uh, and I'm quoting, or maybe paraphrasing a little bit, he said that technology in schools was being funded by cake sales and Tesco vouchers. Now, at that time, Tesco were doing this computer for schools voucher scheme where schools would get loads of tokens. Like, when you go to, a, to Tesco, you buy your gear, uh, your, your shopping, and you get a few tokens, uh, and you gave them to your school. And basically... Yeah, well, the schools would save up these tokens and there'd be six class kids like in a sweatshop counting these tokens every week and putting them into rubber, putting rubber bands around them and basically after you collected whatever you needed you went shopping because they could be traded in for gadgets and I may be wrong on this because I uh, maybe it's wishful thinking but I definitely remember there being a, a clever board interactive whiteboard in it and I, and I don't know how much it cost it could mean 80,000 tokens or something like that Now I could be wrong I don't know what it was but I definitely remember a clever board in there and I believe um uh, you know the the thing was though that the point was that Tesco, who are a British company by the way, were basically offering qu- equipment that was widely available in British schools at the time to an Irish market, which didn't even have the foundations of technology in place. So it's just think about that for a moment. That like technology in the UK has been you know was 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 fairly mature. By, you know 2005 2006 you know i mean it was it was already a curriculum subject since 1997 or 1999 anyway and um almost every all schools were properly funded all schools had good adequate technology for the time um and uh you know and basically what tesco were offering let's say was, was equipment that was being used in british schools things like the b-bots the cameras uh, all that sort of stuff you know uh, things that were relevant at that time irish schools had barely got one computer in there in, 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 in the back of a classroom. You know, we didn't have the foundations, and yet we were being offered all these gadgets. And, um, you know, I mean, the only thing that people really wanted was the interactive whiteboard, in a way. And um, so, you know, but even then, it was kind of funny because you get your interactive whiteboard, but you wouldn't even have the internet in your school. Like, we would no infrastructure, and schools were scrounging around trying to get what they could. And like it was a time where parents were donating old computers to schools like they like we were relying on donated secondhand home computers. Um, which were probably riddled with viruses and all sorts of all sorts of madness but we were just the only thing we could just ground around to try and find what we could you know there were lots of schools where you'd had like you could have a computer room with like 20 different makes of computers all donated by for, from different households um, it, it was mad and it just didn't work you know it couldn't work because these home computers you know couldn't be networked properly because they were home computers with home uh, operating systems schools couldn't afford to pay for um, you know uh proper uh, local uh you know the access directory program for windows I, I don't even know what it's called anymore but um you know it just didn't work and there were schools that by accident of location or by accident of actually having a parent working in a big tech company um you know they they they, they managed to get like maybe a bit of uh, coherence into it by because they might donate a set of uh, computers to a computer room for a school or something like that you know there's there was a bit of that, maybe. But Robbie's statement was literally true. I mean, li- I, I I hate the word literally, as you know from listening to this podcast, but it was literally true. Money was coming in for computers through cake sales and Tesco vouchers. Cake sales were funding the system, and schools had almost no guidance. And because the government weren't funding the technology, they couldn't actually... And this is the interesting part of it as well, because people might say, but, do you know, so what Where the money was coming from? Surely the government could have, you know... The money isn't important but when the when the government aren't providing you with the money they can't tell you what to do with the money you fundraised from tesco or cakes so they couldn't actually get a, they really had no way of telling uh, telling schools how to what to buy because they weren't providing any money to buy them so you know in the end schools are just left to their own devices to buy devices and every school had just got was different Uh, At the time, I compared technology in schools to snowflakes, uh, before that word was taken over by grumpy white men. Insofar, it was was impossible to find two Irish primary schools with the same educational technology. Um, And the legacies pretty much continued all the way through to the present day, with schools haphazardly planning and the guidance coming down from government more and more vague and more and more loose. I mean, for example, if you look at the latest framework for ICT in education, it is so vague that I've actually proven that you can buy a new pet dog using the framework for ICT. I mean, I've done this. I'll tell you a little bit, but I'll tell you a story later about that. But, you know, literally you can do, you can almost do anything using that framework. And the only thing keeping things slightly consistent, slightly consistent, was the um, ICT advisors in education centres. Uh, they were able to give their local areas some ideas, some structure, uh, maybe a little bit of support. But because they were cut at the very start of the recession, another variable to, add to, the, uh, to, to, to help in some ways, or any variable to help with, the, with, with, with anything, this was another idiotic decision by the government when it came to educational technology. You know, it was just absolutely ridiculous decision. So no money, no support, no guidance. So what do they think was going to happen? The only things that have saved the sector, really, from, from those days, is the fact that money finally came specifically um, for schools for, uh, to schools for broadband. Um, and it was specifically for wiring, really. Um, you know, and, and, and that's not particularly brilliant um, either. I mean, we needed that. I mean, there were schools up until 2007 that had no, uh, no networking. So, I mean, how they possibly had internet, I have no idea. But um, it, it, this, is, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of the, the madness that goes on. Um, and then we had a recession, 2008, uh, which pretty much calmed down all fundraising and any money coming in. And things started, I suppose, after 2012, after the rush for interactive whiteboards. Um, things seemed to calm down a bit. Um, and maybe this was a good thing even though it was an unhappy accident. Um, the interactive whiteboard, in a way, really, was the only item that survived this rush for technology between 2008 and 2012. And if you go into any classroom in Ireland, um, if, you, if you would go into any classroom in Ireland, really, the, at the bare minimum, I would say the only piece of technology that's kind of survived um or is is definitely going to be there would be an interactive whiteboard and a teacher laptop or a teacher computer you know you anything else i suppose could be a, a mishmash of anything and i i mean i don't know what point i'm trying to make there but i suppose that rush of uh, trying to fundraise in very difficult times well it left us with this sort of only consistent thing was an interactive whiteboard when consistent money kind of finally happened, from around 2015 to 2016, roughly around then, schools were able to start thinking about planning for the very first time. So we had about 15, 16, maybe, you know, nearly 20 years of lost time trying to struggle our way around technology. And when money finally did come in, it was, it was a time where we could actually start to get the basics right, to only set a foundation then so that's not very long ago so you're listening to this in 2022 it's only really uh, six or seven years ago when schools actually finally had a basic foundation to build upon now i don't know if i can take any credit for this but i spent a lot of time talking to school leaders about that getting the basics right before, because the first tranche of money came, it was around 5,000, uh, uh, it was about 5,000 euro per school, roughly, depending on the size of the school. But I, I was, uh, I, I, there was very, again, there was very little guidance on on, on the practicalities of what to spend the money on. Um, you know, there was again, loads of courses about this, that, and the other, but there was no one saying, what do you actually need in a classroom? What is the, what is the technology? Now, I'm fairly sure I gave seminars to well over 2,000 principals about this alone. Um, however I think more importantly than that the variety of technology being offered to school in a serious way has dropped and that's where I suppose I think you know we have to we we, we have to consider because i, I I think uh, just to summarise where I'm at at the moment, because I, I know this uh, part of this episode is a little bit, whoa, all over the place. In a way, like, where where am I going with this? I'm still giving a lot of history here. I'm still giving a lot of context. Um, but I mean, if I was to summarise this this kind of part of the episode, you know, in, in a way, effectively, the, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, the first part gave a bit of ancient history, a bit of, a bit of nostalgia. It was a bit of fun. This is sort of the giving out uh, part of that episode of history, where we all went wrong. And technology, really, in Ireland, uh, in education, was between, you know, between 1997 and about 2016, 2017, were a lost time. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. The, we had um, no funding. We are, are, The training, while it was there, was limited in some ways, but, um, you know, and didn't particularly focus on the right things, perhaps. Maybe in some places it did, it didn't. But certainly no money was a really, 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 terrible terrible loss of time we lost i've said we lost 20 years where we could have really had one of the best systems in the world um we're a small country and um, there is absolutely no reason why we couldn't have had a completely online um curriculum supported by um government uh, made resources to support the curriculum bright and colorful and really really good um Sort of stuff there, um. But we, we we wasted twenty years is what I'm trying to say in a in a in a, in a very uh, long winded way, and I I guess when we reached around you know that that time of having no funding, it, it coincided and it, this definitely wasn't deliberate in any way, uh, shape or form. It coincided with a kind of uh, the end of this rush of new stuff. So we had from about 1997 till about 2000 and, Thirteen or so this rush of new technology so we, we, we talked about the interactive whiteboards but we had all the other fads the uh, that I talked about in um, in the first uh, part of this episode but by 2016 we had a new kind of um, a, a new kind of landscape as well and um, so in 1997 the only show in town was Microsoft by 2016 we definitely had um, a new um, sort of seen um, a new landscape where we had three shows in town, really, three, three in reality. I mean, there were more than three, but three in reality. Apple, Google, and Microsoft. And probably in that order, um uh, microsoft made a huge error again of judgment in education by not making their products free uh to schools and google really took advantage of that with um i suppose at the time uh their their education suite um i can't even it's funny how you don't remember the names of it, it was google apps for ed- yeah google apps for education i think it was called now g suite um or maybe it's got a different name now but um so, I mean, and then Apple were doing their own thing. The the, the iPad was revolutionary, and in a way, it, it, it kind of um, caught everyone by surprise, like Microsoft Surface just really hasn't, it still hasn't really been able to compete with it. Um, It's just too expensive compared to the iPad, and the iPad really is a very slim and sexy device as well, and really attractive to schools because it's very, very easy to use, very little can go wrong, and so on. So, we, But I mean, all three of these devices um, all three of these uh, technologies have very different functions and I will be going through them when I get into the next part of this episode which is uh, really getting down to the foundations about what you need to get if you are a primary school and um, you know it's 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 probably a good time to stop at this next train station uh, so you've been on the cranky carriage shall we say for this, uh, this uh, second part of this uh, episode where I've really explained why um we had a lost 20 years of technology in education and in the next part what i'm going to do is i'm going to make sure that you get finally get to dip your hands into your pockets and get uh and we will basically start off with the basics you'll need in your uh, school uh in terms of educational technology and there we have it. That is the end of part two of this episode. Um, I suppose the last 20 years may be harsh to maybe some of you that are listening to this, because it was also a very exciting time, I suppose, for many of us that were actually involved in ICT and education. If I, I can only imagine what would have happened if the funding matched the enthusiasm. Anyway, uh, that is it for this uh, part of this episode. We'll be back next week for uh, part three. And uh, part three is where we actually start the plan. You'll be imagine wasting an hour of your life uh, like that um, basically without getting a uh, getting a bit of a plan but at least you got some context anyway if you've enjoyed this part of this episode or the previous part uh, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast um, by searching for unshot.net on your favourite podcasting platform whether that's Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify or any of the rest of the podcasting platforms that are out there Um, so that's it for me you can also sorry as well as subscribing you can um, um, also, um, review uh, this podcast. Uh, if you give it a nice review, that would be very much appreciated so other teachers and other people can find it more easy. So that's it for me for this week. Thanks so much for listening. All the very best. Bye bye.